0: <laughs> so we can get through <laughs> some r- stuff here. Vismina Usatu Salah <laughs> Rasulidawala Sahbi Ramadala. Okay, I can Operational principle number three. Yeah, Any we, yeah, we, we finished. Okay, good. <coughs> operational principle number three. How are you, sister? Auntie, how are you? Good, good to see you. It's always good when he comes. He <laughs> told me that we should register for me. InshaAllah. Oh, on Saturday? Uh, Saturday? Oh, he's going to come. He'll be here for the evening? Yeah, me and Oh, okay. Alhamdulillah. Good, good, good. Alhamdulillah. Great. He told you to do that, huh? Yeah, exactly. You're right. Yeah. He's supposed to do it himself, right? We'll have to talk to him about that when he comes we'll corner him in the office and talk to him uh, operational principle number three stressing societal obligations so there's a set of five operational principles by which uh, we are to begin to understand and function within our Islam in America that was the idea here how are you by the way Good to see you, on the Um So number one was what? I don't remember. Who was here? Not, what was number one? Is that the reason? I do no? Number one. Trusting reason. Trusting reason. Number two was respecting dissent. Okay, so the first one was on trusting reason, number two was on respecting dissent, and number three is on stressing societal obligations. Stressing societal obligations. Although society... The author says the following, may Allah bless him and us and give him benefit and give us benefit from him and his knowledge in this life and the next and preserve him. Dr. Omar Amin Although societal obligations are a fundamentally legal concern the principles they embody are rooted in the nature of Islamic ethics and belief Societal obligations are based on recognizing the sanctity of others and the importance of society So like when people say you know, societal issues, fiqh, or um, uh, politics, sociology, culture, all of these kind of things, all of these are touched on by fiqh. It's not that we don't have any perspective on these things, that we just like can just whatever is in front of us we go with, except for like a few rules or something. We have a, a means of dealing with the world that is grounded in our philosophical and religious tradition, right? It's not just free-for-all. So the fit actually touches on a lot of what it is that our societal obligations and, and interaction is supposed to look like. So it says, from an Islamic standpoint, good character and belief in God share a very similar conceptual framework. Okay, Good character and belief in God share a very similar conceptual framework. Good character is predicated upon altruism, acknowledging the other, being magnanimous toward the other, and respecting the other's rights. That's good characters about, right? The primary ethical qualities, truthfulness, trustworthiness, gratitude, patience, generosity, humility, courage, and so forth, grow out of this implicit regard for other people and affirmation of their dignity, merits, and rights. In Islam, belief is essentially transcendent altruism. So what is belief? Belief is transcendent altruism. Why? God being the ultimate other. The essence of belief in the Qur'an is gratitude, shukr. In Arabic, shukr comes from a root meaning to recognize the good of others and to respond to it openly and appropriately. Disbelief, kufr, which is the semantic opposite of shukr, comes from another root that means to know the good of others secretly but to deny it openly. Somewhat like good character, belief signifies acknowledgement of the other, in this case God, being grateful to him and showing him the honor and glory he is due. Disbelief, on the other hand, means to apprehend God secretly, but to deny him openly and refuse to thank him or pay him homage. For this reason, the Quran describes Satan as a disbeliever. Right. I mean, if you think Satan, was he truly like a disbeliever? I mean, it's obviously not, because he knows God, right? So according to Islamic teaching Satan had intimate knowledge of God But rebelled against him out of arrogance In Islam there can be no belief or disbelief Without essential knowledge The difference between belief and disbelief Is essentially how one responds to that knowledge So there's an impetus there But the point that he was making Is about good character and about belief That they share in a concept There's a framework behind it That is similar And this is why so much of like uh, good good character is not just an issue of like treating people right and whatever. It's, it's absolutely... And so when we do adab, adab isn't just like, oh, we have to know these things and they're really nice so I can like impress certain people. But it's essential to what it means to be a Muslim because it transcends the idea of just worrying about myself and then beginning to understand... And beginning to think about and realize that there's someone else and there's other people and there's their rights and there's their dignity and there's their honor and so on and so forth and that's the same capacity same capacity that helps us to do that is the same capacity that helps us to relate to God himself because he's the ultimate other so they go together like that so belief has to have good character and good character should be tied to belief the Quran linked belief with good character in the sense of moral obligation It emphasizes the noble character and moral integrity of the Prophet ﷺ and his companions and indicates that their ethical um, qualities constituted the foundation of their belief in God and commitment to good deeds and the welfare of others. The Qur'an repeatedly connects disbelief with bad character, disregard for others, and callousness toward human suffering, especially as exemplified in the arrogance and oppression of the Meccan oligarchy. The operational principle of societal obligations is backed by the consensus of Muslim scholars and is treated at length in works on Islamic legal theory. It constitutes one of the foundational elements of the Islamic faith. Stressing societal obligation is essential for building the American Muslim community. It provides a powerful religious impetus for social commitment and community development. It promotes civic consciousness and requires Muslims to identify with the broader community, address its needs, and enlist the human resources necessary to meet them. All based on what? Based on our own foundation. Right? This is the this is it's a very, very important point. You know, I always used to tell the students at the universities Just because two things look the same doesn't mean that they're the same. And it's really 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 important for Muslims to give that some very serious thought So one person might have concern for feeding those who are providing food to those who are hungry Another person might have concern for providing food to those who are hungry And it looks the same but it's not the same And the, then the example I would always tell them is like if you had two flashlights in your hands Right two flashlights and they're both on and I go to point them, say I have them like this, and I go to point them at that pillar and I could point them at that pillar and make their two circles on the pillar overlap, right? but if I held them in the same place and we took the pillar out and they now hit the wall behind the pillar would they hit the same place? No. and they didn't come from the same place and that really does actually matter. So when we're thinking about as Muslims in America, how is it that we're going to engage with society? How is it that we're going to engage with issues? How are we going to engage with these whatever issues it might be? It's not just a question of does does the particular manifestation of something is it okay with us? But it's also a question of understanding like where is that flashlight that's behind it? Where is it coming from? And sometimes it's okay. If, if we acknowledge that, it's okay. To say, like, okay, I'm willing to meet with that with this issue, with these people on that spot on the wall. But I'm not going to forget that we didn't come from the same place, nor are we going the same place. But we just have a shared interest here. But it's very, very important to get this right and to think about it. So when he was talking about societal obligations, now we can think about societal obligations and how we're going to engage with society based on our own platform. Like we can have our own platform as Muslims, that's based in what we believe. It's not just that we have to get on the bandwagon of whatever issue is going on and go that way. Maybe we will, but let's think. Maybe we will. We can we can get on it just because that's what's popular, or we can get on it because there's a foundation foundation from which we're working, and uh, that's also really really important when you think about community and engagement and. Power building and all of these kind of things, because you know, there's no power in just following whatever everyone else does. There's power in knowing who you are and, and being founded in something and being able to then engage from a place of foundation. Uh, there's, so, uh, someone told me re- something really interesting recently. Uh, I'm gonna try to keep it as vague as possible, but I thought it was really interesting met with someone who is a very prominent person in the Jewish community and um, they were talking to them and they realize in the course even though and the person who's talking to them is someone of religious standing from the Muslim community and this person's engaging with them utmost at a good character everything else right but they realize that this Jewish person he's dealing with isn't actually religious he's culturally Jewish but he's secular like he doesn't believe in all the religion stuff but at the same time he's been the head of a like major synagogue he's been a huge figure behind religious stuff in the Jewish community and so on and so forth and so the the muslim was like what's what's the deal you know like what's the situation and he said look for me i understand something very clearly which is even if i'm not behind all these teachings and stuff the position of the rabbi And the position of the religious leader Is absolutely essential to the well-being of our community And the brother was like SubhanAllah, that's so profound (laughs) Like he doesn't believe in it And he respects the position And then of course he's like Most of the time in our community it's the opposite We believe in it and we disrespect the position (laughs) Like we believe in it And we still don't like Recognize Forget the person, it's not about the person It's about the maqam Like the, the, the position of this person is the religious leader of your community. So, and your community is essentially religious by nature. So, so it's in your well being to make sure that that, like, one of the things the guy was saying was, like, in, in our community, it's unheard of for rabbis to not be taken care of financially. Like, what do you. Say? And the brother was talking to me, he said, senior rabbis, like people who have served for a long time, by the time they retire, they're making like half a million dollars a year, they have full retirement plan, like everything. I was like, whoa. We fundraise for retirement in the Muslim community. (laughs) Like if someone's been an imam for 40 years, then we fundraise for them when they retire, because it's like, they don't have anything now. So like, it was just like really interesting to listen to. And his point was very simple, was that we're a religious community. That's part of our identity. Some of us believe in it more, some of us believe in it less, whatever, but still that position is important to us. And he was even carrying it into his interaction with like someone who's an imam. He was like, You're an imam, so you know, we have to treat you with respect and there's like a forty year age difference with them and stuff, like you know, but still he's respecting the position. It's really interesting. <laughs> what I'm saying that for is that he has a very clear understanding in his mind of what is going to work to the benefit of his community regardless of what he himself thinks and this this issue of like societal obligations is how do we think about what's in the benefit of our community and how our community engages with the broader society regardless of what I personally you know like that's that's a secondary question obviously we don't you know part of that is that we're not going to You know, like we want people to actually do their job properly. We want them to be properly trained. We want to hold them to a certain level of accountability. All that stuff is true, right? But, you know, rabbis are interesting too because they're more similar to imams in most ways. Is that they're not, like a pastor, usually a pastor has gone through like two years of education. That's their religious studies program is two years. Rabbis, their religious studies program is five years. They're more similar to imams, you know, like, It's not just a couple years, and now you get the title type thing. It takes like a long time. Anyways, it's all different stuff. Point is to understand societal obligations, to understand where is it that I'm working from, and I think that Muslims somehow, like on a community building side of things, uh, we've become very complacent, and we just like, you know, get a good job, handle things, build the masjid, masjid, put the walls up make the weekend school, don't pay the teachers, and everything will be fine, you know, and it's just really, and it's as if we don't live in the world that we're in, like, have you not seen Myanmar? Do you not see Kashmir? Do you not see like all of these places around the world? Like nobody's gonna take care of you if you don't take care of yourself. We're just like, so the system will take care of us. (laughs) You know, the system will take care of us. We'll have free markets and we'll get paid and we have retirement and we have social services and the police, we can always call them. They'll come every time we call them. We don't need to have any sort of understanding of our own security or anything else. Like all of it's dependent on the system. But but the actual teachings of Islam are not that way. The actual teachings of Islam are that the, the Muslims themselves it's their communal, and this is what he's going to get to in terms of societal obligations too, is that the communal obligations of the community is to take care of itself. It's not to be relying on everyone else, you know, to internally have some sort of structure and understanding and so on. Um, To have like this feeling of, it's not about me, it's about my community. And that there's certain things. The African-American community, sometimes they have these things much better. Um, so d- up to, up to like little things like seemingly little things like you know there will always be someone on post you know like if you go to Islam if you go to Masjid Sharif if you go to any of these like uh, established African American masjid there will always be brothers who are guarding the door it's it's impossible you'll never see it even during Salah. Even doing salat, someone will be guarding the door. Because someone has to run security. You can't just have a you're gonna have a community space that doesn't have security. These are, these are, it's part of the it's part of the overall understanding of, of how to function as a people, right? Um anyways, that's enough tangent. Allah help us. In Islam, basic religious duties fall into two categories: individual obligations (farḍ al-ain) or wajib al-ain, and societal obligations (farḍ kifaya) or al kifaya. So al-ain is the individual, and kifaya is the community, is the generality of the people, and the farḍ is the obligation or the wajib. So there's an obligation that affects the individual. There's an obligation that's shared as a community. Individual obligations are binding on every Muslim who is morally responsible. Mukallaf. Basically means that they're Muslim, they're sane, they've come of age, they don't have any sort of like uh, inhibitors that would prevent them from being responsible. Right? Uh, like not being mature enough it doesn't—it's not counted here. <laughs> like you know, if you if you have mental capacity and you have physical capacity, you're responsible. It's not you know it's not an issue of like you know they didn't learn how to make their bed yet type thing. They're exclusively personal and cannot be performed by someone else on another's behalf. The five daily prayers, fasting the month of Ramadan, and eating what is lawful and clean are individual obligations. Ethically, Muslims who fail to perform individual obligations are iniquitous and risk divine retribution. Uh, Dr. Omar's language is very particular. He's very, very particular about language. And um, so, like what he says here. Word, iniquitous? iniquitous and risk divine retribution. Does that mean? Uh, I wish I knew really. But it's, it relates to one of the definitions of what it means for something to be an obligation. So the Fuqaha, like when they when they talk about an obligation, something that's wajib, they won't say, for example, that the person who leaves the wajib is uh, will be punished. They won't say that. They'll say they'll be rewarded if they do it, but if they don't do it, they won't say that they'll be punished. They'll say اقعب, that they they what is he saying? they risk divine retribution essentially, but that maybe God will forgive them. But when it comes on the side of reward, God will reward them. And when it comes to the side of punishment, you know, they did something that deserves punishment. Allahu a'lam what Allah will actually do to them. Yes, Allah? Iniquitous is grossly unfair and morally wrong. So, morally wrong. Morally wrong, here.
1: So, anyways, the point is,
0: individual obligation, you're personally responsible, nobody else can do it for you. Societal obligations are mandatory for the entire Muslim population taken as a whole. They represent the population's group responsibility to constitute an organic and responsible community. It is a societal obligation, for example, to ensure that people have basic necessities like food and health care. The principle of societal obligation stipulates that sufficient numbers and kifaya of qualified men and women be morally required to carry out societal obligations on the community's behalf. By their nature, societal obligations necessitate cooperation and call for the development of communities that are functional, self-aware, and well-organized. Beautiful. Beautiful what he's saying, right? But basically the point is what? If there's things that a people need in order to do well, then they are a communal responsibility. The basic definition of a communal responsibility, Fard Kifaya, is if some group of people do it, then the sin falls off the entire group. And those who are... So some group has to do it. Not everyone has to do it. Some people from the group have to do it. And the other people who are not doing it, they have to support morally and materially those who are doing it. He might say that here. <coughs> and if nobody does it, then the whole whole community is sinful. whole community is sinful. This will become more and more fleshed out as we get to the five uh, necessities of, relig- of, of Islam. To protect religion, to protect fa- uh, life, to protect family, wealth, and intellect so if you think about like when your resources are limited you have to start somewhere right it makes sense actually to start with masajid and with weekend schools that actually makes sense because the first obligation is to protect religion so okay, first communal obligations protect religion you have to have a masjid you have to have some sort of means by which people are educated in their religion it's absolute minimum then, but then everything else, as he's going to come to later, those are also those other things are social obligations too. Anything that protects life, anything that protects family, anything that protects intellect—all of them are social obligations. So now you have a whole platform for what it means to work as a community. By their nature, uh, said that societal obligations generally cannot be performed without group effort because they are far more demanding than the individual capacity of persons working alone. For that reason, each societal obligation requires a sufficient number of people with community support to see that it is carried out. It is the community's responsibility as a whole to enlist such numbers of qualified people and assist them in the task. If the Muslim community neglects its societal obligations, each Muslim bears the moral responsibility for their failure as a group each member of the community is iniquitous and personally risks divine retribution once a societal obligation has been adequately addressed, the corresponding group responsibility of Muslims falls from their shoulders and the potential burden of communal sin is lifted so if some people do it, you're free an important point about this is that let me just give you an example so Having people who are specialized in religious learning Is a communal obligation Should be pretty easily understandable Right? Like the community needs people that have that knowledge So some people have to do it At the point Initially That's on the whole group, right? If there's a group obligation And you go into it That group obligation Can become an individual obligation for you Okay? So Say, like, you have a group of people, and there's one person who goes and studies, right? And they come back, and they decide they don't want to actually continue in that route. What they want to do is, I don't know, work in carpentry. They can't.
1: Because now that's their
0: individual obligation. There's no one else to fulfill it. It's their individual obligation. They can't leave it, whether or not they want to leave it. So... It's just something to consider. Um, That could could apply to other things as well. It's not just religious education. You know, like, say there's only one person who studied medicine. It's actually, you know, it exists. Even in America, in rural areas and stuff, sometimes you can't find any serious medical treatment. There's one person that knows medicine. That person now is there, they can't leave. (laughs) They have to help the people. From our perspective, forget like the healthcare industry and all these kind of things, it's not the point. One is what is your responsibility in front of God towards your people, towards your community? Everything is clear, so Is he going to go over some stuff? Yeah. The operational principle of stressing societal obligations shows that Islam is much more than a religion of personal pieties, and that it cannot be narrowly restricted to the activities of mosques or Islamic centers. Very good. Very important sentence. It's not not just an issue of personal piety, and it's not restricted to the activities of mosques and Islamic centers. The performance of individual obligations like prayer and fasting never removes a a Muslim's moral duty to meet societal ones. The most seemingly upright of Muslims are liable for divine retribution if they ignore societal obligations and content themselves with personal piety alone. At the same time, there must be no confusion, personal dedication to the community's needs, does not remove a Muslim's individual obligation to perform acts of personal piety. There's not; you, it doesn't go one way or the other. Both are there. So someone can't say, "I'm so busy and like organizing for the Muslim community that I can't pray. I can't pray on time, or I have to miss my prayers all the time, or, or, um, or I can't take care of my family because I have to. I have to. I'm so so busy in the service of the community that I I can't take care of my family. You no, know, your family is your personal obligation." So, you're going to have to figure out some sort of way that this is going to get negotiated. If they they could give up their rights, theoretically, you know, like a family could make a conscious decision that they're going to spend less time with one of their family members because they have obligations that they want, you know, that's a conversation that can happen, but generally speaking, that's your right still. Individual obligations, prayer, fasting, and the like can be readily identified and are performed at set times according to fixed norms. When missed, individual obligations can be made up later. A Muslim who is unable to fast compensates by fasting at another time or making atonement Societal obligations, however, are more exacting and complex. They are often difficult to identify and even harder to fulfill. Societal obligations are situational and require intimate knowledge of the community and its immediate and future needs societal obligations do not have predetermined times places or procedures the number of people required to carry out a particular societal obligation and the nature of qualifications those people must have are always determined by realities on the ground and are continuously liable to change understood I mean, these things are complex they're not like very straightforward and they're not very easily you know it's not just like oh this is the thing we have to do it. We have to feed 60 people who are hungry, and then we're our, our responsibility will be fulfilled as a community. It doesn't work like that. There's more, uh, there's more to it than that. Uh, if a person is dying from starvation, it is of no use to bring food after that person has died. If a house is burning, the effort to extinguish the fire cannot be delayed until tomorrow. Right? <clears throat> it's because he says before that, Unlike individual obligations, societal ones cannot be made up once their time has passed. They must be performed at the time and the manner of each situation required. So, like, there's a, there's an issue here. You know, there's an entire generation of people who live in a particular neighborhood who are, you know, going to not have access to clean water. You know, it's not going to change. Like, once it's, it's, it, it's passed, there's no way to fix it. So, there's... They have It has a time on it Muslim legal theorists explain the primacy Of societal obligations in Islam By virtue of their inseparable connection to society's Welfare because they, sus- they secure Society's benefits masaleh, And protect it from detriments mafassid. For the same reason certain Societal interests take precedence over others When the two clash As a rule individual interest may not be promoted At the expense of group interest It's a general rule Individual interests are not to be uh promoted at the expense of group interests. Broader societal interests take precedence over narrower group interests. For example, society's long-term need for affordable drugs, halal ones, takes precedence over the narrower personal and corporate interests that are met by selling them at unreasonable prices. Okay, so this is a very real issue. So the point of this is to recognize like we actually... Because we actually, you know, we became like this thing where the religion has something to say and like very small handful of things and we don't care to like make sure sh- like keep developing and keep learning so that our mind and our perspective can actually be correct you know it's, it's just like I'm gonna get that little piece that I need and I'm gonna go around and do everything else however I feel like it but there's there's a whole worldview that needs to be uh, developed such that we can understand correctly, like okay, this, and it's not that it has to be like limitless amounts of knowledge, right? But we we need to this this paper. That's why it exists, anyways. Societal obligations allow not no Muslim to remain a passive spectator in the community. There is always work to be done, whether it pertains to urgent needs or more general requirements. Those who are not able or qualified to perform societal obligations must give material and moral support to those who are performing them. Muslims who are qualified to fulfill societal obligations must take part in them to the extent that they are able. But as before, the communal responsibility for failing to meet societal obligations falls upon both the qualified and the unqualified alike. It might not be your area of specialization, but it's upon everybody. And we share in it. Basic societal obligations are expanded upon so that they include all related community responsibilities through the Islamic principle whatever is necessary to fulfill an obligation is an obligation itself. Can you move that one, one more So, the, the principle is whatever is needed to fulfill an obligation is an obligation. Mm. So, how do you build out kind of like your platform? Any, any ingredients that you need. Anything you need. So that's how you build out then your whole platform. Is if I need to preserve religion, okay, what are all the things that I need in order to preserve religion? I need a masjid, I need an imam. Go figure, like, wait, just the masjid's not enough? (laughs) I need that imam to be well-versed in the Western tradition and and in the Islamic tradition. Otherwise they're not gonna be able to serve the role of protecting people's religion. I'm gonna need education for children. I'm gonna need publications. I'm gonna need that to be probably written. I'm gonna need it to be online. I'm gonna need it to be video. I'm gonna need it to be audio. All of those things are gonna be necessary in order to fulfill that obligation. But it goes further than that too. Like there's the obligation of protecting life. So what do I need in order to protect life? I need access to healthcare. I need access to medicine that's affordable. I need access to food that's decent and healthy. I need all of these things, right? I need a clean environment. I need safe freeways and roads and all of these things are going to lead to They're all things that are going to lead to the fulfillment of the obligation of protecting life So it is one of the ultimate obligations of Islam to protect human life But the protection of lives cannot be achieved without food, shelter and security The need to preserve life therefore gives rise to the societal obligations of providing food, shelter, security and similar necessities Thus, societal obligations extend from basic necessities to include everything that is essential to the community's best interest. (coughs) 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 Mm. We'll try to make it up to at least career choices. In earlier Islamic societies, the duty to implement most societal obligations fell on the shoulders of the state. Although the moral responsibility for their fulfillment still included the entire community. Today, secular, national, and state governments meet many basic societal obligations, although they may not meet them equally well for all social and economic classes. The services they provide benefit Muslims as well as others. They exempt Muslims from the particular societal obligations that are covered, but not from other societal obligations that the state fails to cover. So if the state helps, alhamdulillah, if it doesn't, then there's gaps that need to be filled. In pre-colonial Muslim societies, private persons established wide varieties of beneficial, pious endowments, often with societal obligations in mind. Their endowments met such general concerns as caring for widows and orphans. So it's not always like in pre-colonial Muslim societies, it wasn't that the government was paying for all this stuff. It wasn't the government that was paying for the schools and the hospitals and, 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 and all of the social things that were being fulfilled. It was people who had money that were putting their endowments into those places and over time, all of these institutions were developed so that these things are taken care of. Their endowments met such general concerns as caring for widows and orphans, looking after the physical and mental health of prisoners, and even providing for the welfare of injured and decrepit animals. In the West today, Muslims have the communal duty to identify and implement societal obligations necessary for community growth civic engagement, and environmental protection. It must be stressed that societal obligations are not the sole domain of activists and volunteers. It's not just for them, right? it's for everyone. Today as in the past, Muslim communities cannot meet their societal obligations without far-sighted institutional development Including the establishment of religious endowments and the employment of well-trained professionals Societal obligations are largely forgotten in present-day Muslim lands And are rarely understood in developing Muslim communities like ours Neglect of societal obligations, perhaps as much as anything else Accounts for the generally lamentable state of the Muslim world today This is a really important section I mean, if you're to really like sit with the section and read it And think about what he's saying and the consequences of it And this is what happened we neglected societal obligations everything became personal piety, no more societal obligations. so as your whole society falls apart, everything goes away. And your vision is, is also it's very limited right your vision isn't isn't as encompassing as it should be. When Muslims focus exclusively on individual obligations and interests they lose sight of Islam's social mission. They become the victims of an atomistic, one-dimensional mindset that is virtually incapable of critical consciousness and social awareness. As such, many Muslims have little ability to comprehend and have minimal incentive to participate in their community's preservation and growth, much less the concerns of the world beyond them. For the American Muslim community, societal obligations require the proactive development of needed resources that address real issues on the ground, among which are better social services, professional marriage counseling, financial institutions, and the establishment of advanced Islamic seminaries. Our societal obligations also require us to address urgent issues that have surfaced in the American Muslim community over recent decades. The operational principle of societal obligation naturally requires candor in identifying problems, otherwise they cannot be solved. I will address three issues below that demand attention and constitute societal obligations of the first order. Career Choices, Marriage, and Liquor Franchises. So he's gonna, we'll we'll go into those ones next time, inshallah. Those are three good ones, inshallah. So we'll we'll continue at Career Choices next time. Any comments, observations, thoughts about this? This is big stuff.